Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Jewel of the Endless Erg by John Bierce. So let's ward the magic of books. All right, that's, uh, we're going through it, you guys. This is the second book in the series. It's quite fun. I think there's a an improvement in his writing, in his skills. And in a non-spoiler way, let me just tell you guys that I flew through this book. It goes so fast. They're just so much fun. They're light. I still feel like even though they're super light, they still have those good meanings and those good feelings behind them and those good lessons you can learn. It might not be as forthright and kind of hit you over the head with it a lot but I feel like there's still something good there so I don't feel like it's just like it's a little bit of popcorn kind of fantasy but I, I never find popcorn fantasy to be bad I, th- I usually feel like it has those lessons and maybe they're just super obvious and right on top but that doesn't make them any less valuable just because that's how they are so let's talk just a little bit about some of the things of this book characters I feel like we get a little bit more of a view more into each character we're starting to branch off our viewpoints from just Hugh to our other crew which would be you know Talia, Sabe, Godric and a little bit with Alustan so that's good we're getting more depth we're seeing more parts of them I like that a lot the atmosphere was good we're doing a lot of I'm going to spoil a little bit for you here sand travel that felt nice I really did feel like when we were experiencing certain things that you could feel like yeah that's what it would feel like or that's how it is right the kind of get swept up in their emotions and I do have to say this book does have somewhat of a unique plot it's very exciting but different and has a couple twists to keep you going so all right guys I'm sorry we're, we're only two minutes in and I'm just gonna have to start spoiling it because there's just so much to talk about and so much of it I can't talk about without doing spoilers so again we're gonna do full book spoilers I'm gonna try to stick to a very basic kind of run through of the plot first off and we'll see how many tangents I end up taking before we get to the end so the main plot of this one is that Alustan is taking Hugh, Sabe, and Talia, along with Godric, on a little trip around to try and get them used to some other things, do some training, do some reconnaissance, as we kind of learn in this one. Alustan is a spy for Kander and Crux, which is kind of normal. Not normal, but like... That's what he is. Normal in the sense that the great powers usually have somebody kind of watching other great powers and reporting back to them and ask, you know, doing things like that. So they go on a trip. They go across the Endless Erg, which is this, the huge desert, which is interesting. You know, it's a fun ser- series. They get to Theris Tal, where they, it's ruled by the dragon Indris. While they're there, they are kind of attacked a little bit. Uh, Indris's egg is stolen, and then at the same time that her egg is stolen, the her dragon mate, Atarg, Atarag, Aturg, I'm going to call him Aturg, I think is more correct, but he comes in to kill Indris and to kind of seize power for himself, to wreck the city. The, Hugh and his friends have to save the city, preventing certain things from going on, while Alustan fights then kills a dragon. So we're going to get into it. And then they obviously head back and have the worst, that was the worst summer vacation ever, but uh, that's what it was. So that's, let's talk about some stuff first. I really liked that we learn more about Hugh's affinities now. We're learning about crystal training. He still hasn't done anything with Starfire and, you know, Planar, but that's, those are very high level risky affinities. So I'm totally chill with him just learning crystals because crystal is super useful and support oriented, which is what he is. But he's firstly learning how to dodge, then he's learning how to kind of create crystal. Kandaren's a funny teacher. And it's, there's so many funny lines in this where he's talking about Kandaren. He's like, Kandaren was hundreds of years old, and so were her teaching practices. And it's like, well, that's funny, but like, you're learning, you know, uh, never let it be said that you didn't learn from Kandaren and you are, you know, 
on, th- on, pay- on threat of pain you are, but it, uh, you are learning, so that's a good sign, right? And we learn a little bit more about the magic system with affinities as well, and, you know, other things like the living affinities, such as wood or animals. Um, this is Ava talking to Hugh about this and just saying, like, the more familiar you are with your piece of wood or with your section of wood, the more control over it you have. And especially in a cooperative setting, instead of it being more of a detracting with two people working on the same stone, two people working on the same wood together boosts that up high but the weakest of wood mages can beat the the strongest of wood mages if it's a piece of wood they're super familiar with so i like that those living affinities we're learning more about it we're learning some like kind of weird exceptions but it's not really an exception it makes a little bit more sense where something has been living like wood i mean it's obviously not living when it's in a crossbow bolt or in a staff or a boat but it was living at one point and this is bringing into it kind of the unique way that john beers is going to keep playing with words and he He's going to play with them more in future books, I know, because I've read them. And we get more about that in the magic. But right now, we're just going to talk about this. And yes, let's talk about one of the scariest and worst things that the uh, that we, we learn about in this book is that everybody on the continent speaks ethos. And you're thinking, well, okay, if this was a real fantasy world, like Vaughn author, languages drift and things are happen like that. You know, you get accents and dialects. And normally you would, except for this crazy magic called the tongue eater. Yes, the tongue eater. The Athonian empire of long ago built a device that eats your language if they cast it on you or against your language right they developed specific language affinities they figured out how to do this and they destroyed other languages along with destroying your language it would destroy your culture it would destroy people who only spoke it become little more than animals just kind of implying that like this language is what separates us from just beasts you know the ability to communicate to talk makes them lesser and they did it over and over and over again and then cast very specific magic that would last for ages and i'm sure the ithonian empire was like oh yeah we'll be around to recast this in you know 100 years 200 years however many years it's been i don't remember so but now we're finally starting to see you know the ramifications of that where we are starting to get different dialects breaking off specifically um godric and his father have this accent and i want to say it's kind of like a it feels like an irishish accent to me don't quote me on that i'm not saying that's what it is it just it's got that uh kind of melding of sounds together that makes it sound like that to me so but that is just the most the craziest new magic ever the tongue eater literally eats somebody's language it would take dozens to hundreds of mages to cast it but once it was cast that language was gone and it talked about how culture could you know your culture could survive if you'd already learned the language and learned Ethonian and you kind of had you know had time to integrate and stuff then you you would be fine or more fine you wouldn't be 100% perfect but they didn't even just do this to their enemies they did this to their allies it it's bad oh and i love i got this is going back again we're we're done with the uh the tongue eater now we're going back to just some notable moments here the anime call out where Alustin is talking to Sebe and Sebe's like i had to learn this technique i have to do this and Alustin's like yeah but you can't do it and you, she failed of course and he's like you can't just learn a new technique in the middle of battle just because you really need it you that's not how things work you just have to practice 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 and then he drills it into her that practice that she had missed well not missed because it was a new technique that she was just trying to get down but you know what i'm saying so we learned that the Lustin has paper affinities and farsight affinities and how sweet is it that with his paper affinity he can create a suit of armor basically for himself and fly with it that was epic the fight with uh, Atur when he's trying to take him down just awesome where i can't even describe it to you but it, it's it was so good it was so fun he's flying around he's dodging things he's using his magic 
magic effectively. He's not just being like, well, I've got paper. I can't do anything with it, right? But he's, uh, you know, getting sharp edges on his paper. He goes for paper cuts over your eye on dragons, which is very dangerous, right? We're also seeing that he has his farsight affinity, so he can see kind of far out, you know, and relay that and do stuff like that. It was pretty cool. He had a little mini fight with Eudaxis, which is Indris's kind of head guy. And he has a shadow affinity, which was, that was kind of fun to see. It was very nice. And we learn, oh, let's talk about Talia really quick. Talia learns what she can do with bones. She can put bones, like she can inject mana into her bones, not her bones, but into bones. And they will grow and grow and grow and then explode. She, she takes out an entire pirate ship with one, with a couple bones. That It's epic. They stretch, they meld, they burn, and then they explode just it was so cool learning this i like that uh we still get a little bit of a relationship between hugh and ava that's super nice i am a sucker for these kind of relationships where they get together and they're shy and they're nervous and then they kind of get more and more and more and we'll see what ends up happening later on but i love it i love that uh, Talia's a little bit jealous of it and sabay's trying to play matchmaker and being like hey like let's leave them alone and the rest are like no no and we learn that godric is gay that's cool whatever you He's a good character. I really like Godric. He's very funny and matter-of-fact with his stone and his steel. Very, all right, let's do this. It's so far, two for two books. He's lost a hammer, which is just funny. I have to hope and wonder if it will continue on through other books. But uh, near the end of the book, they do get a... This is setting up the next book. They do get some rewards from Indris for saving her city and stopping Atterg from killing her, right? And Hugh gets a book that goes towards his yearly quota. But that indicates, hey, how does she know about my warlock pact? You know, she shouldn't because nobody else should know except the high the council in Skyland, Skyward. Not Skyward, not Skyward, but Skyhold, excuse me, and that's going to set up the next book, which is named A Traitor in Skyhold, right? So, Talia, of course, when it's time for hers, she's like, I want Aturg's bones, dragon bones. This is very, like, that's a huge demand, and they're like, okay, yeah, I don't want to see my, my mate's bones anymore. You can have them. Oh, Sabe gets, I don't remember what Sabe gets. Hugh gets just a, an unspecified favor for later, and Alustin, you know, gets to leave, obviously, with his life. He is the one that stole the dragon egg, and we don't know why Kandoran stole the dragon egg, or wanted him to steal the dragon egg. It's a good thing he did because it stopped her from dying, of course, to the poison. But at the same time, like, why does she want? Is it just blackmail? Do this or I'll, you know, kill the dragon egg. Do this and you can be on my team. You know, what's Kandoran's goal? Wonder, is she going to be good? Is this a bad? Is the relationship between her and Hugh going to change? Oh, Hugh. We got to talk about what Hugh did during this. Hugh has to create. He learns to do some more wards in an exceptional way. And this time, to save the city, he has to stop a sandstorm from destroying it by creating a, basically, a super wind ward around the entire city which he does with the help of the Radhan who he has been they've been driving they've been flying on their ship through the sand and that they've been taking care of them so that's so good and I forgot to mention that Alustan does get a book from Indris and he gets a very specific book grain shipments to the imperial city of Ithos the year 378 after its founding and I can't talk about what I want to talk about yet but it'll come up in two books from now i'm pretty sure about why this book is so important well i know why this book is so important having read ahead but it's actually like a real thing when we get to it like it's kind of a crazy thing so when we get there i think you'll like it and i just remembered that eudaxus's speech was long and boring and he was very proud of his long and boring speech and everybody remarks in the book about it and they're just like man he seems so pleased with his long boring speech that went on for two hours and then he spoke for another hour and it was just so funny and so good i mean i 
just really loved this one. There's a lot of nice character moments. There's a lot of nice atmosphere moments when they're kind of going through the parties while the a, sand, a different sandstorm is going on. It's so fun and good. And now they're back, headed back to Skyhold, where there could be a trader potentially. So we're going to have to see about that. But that is going to be all I have to talk about. The Oh, I did want to talk about the cover. Not my favorite cover of the book series. I'm sorry. It's a decent cover. Not my favorite. But that's going to be my last thought, you guys. Great book. Well, a little bit bad cover. But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions or comments, please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, to ward the magic of books. Thank you.